episode of Rooted World. We discuss the Central Michigan football team as they have won the Mid-American Conference West Division and are headed to the MAC Championship game on Saturday at noon at Ford Field in Detroit. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Maroon and Bold. I'm your host, Evan Petzl, along with me, my co-host, Austin Chastain. Austin, man, Central Michigan football, it is it is at the peak. It is at the peak that it has been in the past decade. You have to realize, take a step back, this is a team that was 1-11 last year, and like I just said, they're at the best that they have been in 10 years. Your, your immediate thoughts? Man, my, mine kind of goes back to the little fever days. I mean... That's, I mean, that's when CMU was as good as it is now. Um, not comparing anybody to those guys, but I mean, that's 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 the pinnacle. They're they're back they're back on top and uh, looking for the looking for the finishing bow, I guess, with mm-hmm. with the conference championship. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll be a, a good game as they're going to be headed to Ford Field in Detroit. Uh, they'll be taking on Miami of Ohio. That game kicks off on Saturday, December 7th at noon. I guess, too, kind of in, in, a, in a weird situation, as I don't think anyone was planning for this game to be played for Central Michigan this year, right? Like, you didn't expect it. I personally was like, all right, get to come back off of Thanksgiving. Um, you know, obviously going up and covering the game, as we always do um, on that Black Friday. But going to, to cover the game on, on Black Friday and, and then kind of, you know, all right, well, I get – that's the last game of the season, and then you get until the bowl game if, if they were to be lucky enough to make it. You kind of get a, a bunch of time to get your homework done, get your assignments turned in, um, all, all that kind of jazz. And it's like, no, not this year, not this year. Because at, at the beginning of the year, at least, I was kind of gauging you know, my end-of-the-semester activities and what I was going to be doing to make sure that I can get done with, you know, get all my, my grades right, make sure I'm good to go. Obviously, I'll be fine, but still. And I'm sure you're probably in the same boat, right? You thought... Once that once that Black Friday game's over, I'm smooth sailing until break, right? I mean that that was kind of the thought. Right, yeah. I mean, even looking back at the at the Northern Illinois game when CMU hit that sixth win, that bowl eligibility win, uh, I was thinking, okay, you know, we'll we'll just kind of like you said, just cruise to break and no worries there. Um, but that all changed with pretty. I would say a snap of a finger, but it really. Um, was pretty clear from the first quarter on against Toledo. Oh, that yeah. Oh, CMU yeah. The was first drive. I mean, oh, my really, gosh. Yeah. I mean, Dormady hit hit Ty Scott on that 48-yard mm-hmm. strike, and I was like, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. And you kind of knew at that moment that, that they were going to run away with it if Toledo didn't answer right away, and Toledo did not answer um, clearly. Central Michigan scored on you know six of their first six drives, 100% on their on their first six. Not, not just um, – not just talking, you know, field goals and stuff. We're talking touchdowns, and and that was you know really impressive to see um, them come out of the gate like that. But but yeah, like I said before, I had no intentions of having, um, you know, getting ready for finals week. And and you know, you got you guys know too, finals week isn't like, oh, that's when all your stuff is due. Finals week is like, all right, so for the teachers that don't want to do projects, that's when it's due. This week right now is project week. If you have projects, they do them the week before, and then finals week. You know, for the one day that they're given, um, you either just don't, you, they just cancel class or you don't show up or whatever, whatever you want to do with that situation. But yeah, I mean, this is project week, but it's also study for finals week. Obviously, with um, you know, with finals, you know, coming up from the the ninth to the thirteenth or the ninth to the twelfth. I don't think they do finals on Friday, but 
you know, ninth, some might, but some might, yeah. yeah, ninth to the twelfth for most people though. So that that Monday to Thursday, but now it's kind of like, all right, Evan and Austin, you guys got to go uh, cover the Central Michigan football team, and obviously with it being the best that they've been in in ten years, it's kind of like a little bit of an added pressure on there to make sure that we do a good job with that. But we also got to manage school, so we'll do our best for you guys, but. Right here, right now, we're here to talk a little bit about the MAC championship game and our expectations there. Listen, the game against Toledo was a blowout. Um, there, there really isn't a lot to talk about there. Dormy looked great. I thought Kobe Lewis looked really good on the ground. Um, Jonathan Ward, per usual, was was fine. Um, no issues there. Ja'Cory Sullivan still continuing to build on his impressive second half of the season. From a, a defensive standpoint, they looked really good. Um, they barely even tested Kyron McKinney-Harper. I think that says something about the, the true freshman corner there. Um, Oge Adeku on the offensive line, he's going to be done for the season after going down with an injury uh, against Toledo. It was on Jonathan Ward's um, only touchdown run that he had uh, of the day, and, and he went down, and um, it looks like that's 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 broken bones, and he had to go into surgery that night, and there was there were some issues there. He's not going to be back. They're going to try to get him back for pro day. But besides that, um, everyone should be healthy. Darius Bracey, the hope is that he'll be back to play um, for the MAC championship game. He set out the past couple games due to an injury. Due to an injury, so you get another weapon back at the corner spot. Really, from a health standpoint, they look really good. Um, outside of Adeku, who obviously has has been what he's been this year, he's been an anchor um, in the trenches. But besides that. They're healthy, and that, that's a good thing to see. Oh, yeah, and I mean, that's something that we've been talking about pretty much all year. Um, you know, the the health has kind of been up and down, I would say, um, for the better part of the year. Mm-hmm. There have been some key guys that have been been missing through maybe a couple of different games. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the year, I mean, you want, obviously, you want your guys to be, you know, kind of rejuvenated and, and getting healthier and getting getting back to playing and and we're really seeing that I think with with CMU so um that's that's been a been a really big thing for him uh is to get back kind of the, to that health you know after or for the Wisconsin game we kind of talked about you know making sure that everyone comes out of that healthy same thing with the Miami I guess Miami Florida game um is you you want your guys to stay healthy you guys want your guys to come out of that game really avoiding a catastrophic injury. Um, so it's obviously you never, ever, ever want to see anybody get hurt. Um, but um, I think they're, I think they're fine. And, and the loss of, of Oge is going to be big, but um, I think they have pretty good depth at the, mm-hmm. in the, on the offensive line. So we can get into that in a minute and kind of yeah. talk about guys that might be able to fill that spot, but you mentioned injuries. And so I have to, I have to go there, um, you know, re- really quick, but, a true freshman Brett Gabbert, the, the the brother of Blaine Gabbert, actually, um, he's the starting quarterback for the Miami Redhawks, and it's a situation where, in their most recent game, and this is kind of where it gets interesting because we talked about injuries and and kind of what that means. Um, so he he completed six passes for 116 yards and a touchdown in their most recent game. And um, and he was there for the first half, but then he sat out the second half. And right now, um, obviously still waiting on more word on, on if he's going to be healthy or not, but questionable, um, undisclosed injury. And there's he's undetermined if he's going to be playing against Central Michigan um, in the in the MAC championship game. I don't know if you heard anything more about that, Austin, or if you have a, an inside track to um, what they're saying about Brett Gabbert, their quarterback over there. A- any news from the the coaching staff over there? Any of the players? Um, nope, nothing. Nothing that jumped out and said, "Oh, hey, Allison, you need to talk about this." Nope, I did not. Have not heard anything um, out of the ordinary. So, 
They didn't say anything on the on the conference call. Nope. Okay. Um, no, nothing injury wise. Um, so I like I said, there there was nothing uh, in terms of injury or anything about anything really about him um, about Gabbert mm-hmm. on the call. So interesting. Nope. Well, yeah, that's one yeah. to keep an eye on. Obviously, as as he's been their uh, their mainstay at quarterback all year long. He's completed a hundred and thirty a hundred and thirty nine of two hundred and fifty eight passes. It's a fifty three point nine percent clip for um, one thousand nine hundred and sixty seven yards. So he's you know just getting uh, just inching close to to two thousand. Uh, Ten touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, uh, you know he's a guy that that's been been good. He's a young quarterback though, so you have to remember that. Um, always always plays into it as well. And and they're a team that you know really does rely on the the run game and the the pass game working together. They're the running back uh, Jalen Bester, a guy that's carried the ball 132 times for 623 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's also caught 12 passes, but it's nothing like what we're seeing out of Jonathan Ward, where he's a guy that's you know going to be a threat to score out of the passing game. And and then their running back right behind him is uh, is Tyree Shelton, 95 carries for 494 yards and, and two touchdowns. So looking at the run game, I mean. I guess I got to ask you maybe to generalize a little bit, but you want to compare the offenses. I mean, what does it look like? I mean, you're looking at a quarterback in in Brett Gabbert where I'm going to give the advantage to Quentin Dormady all day long with his veteran, with his veteranism and his experience at the college level. And then even at the run game, their running backs have 11 touchdowns and and he has 11 touchdowns in in Bester and then Shelton has two. You look at guys like Jonathan Ward and and Kobe Lewis. I mean, those guys are putting up numbers. Those guys are both almost – both of them, a thousand yard rushers this year, um, with Jonathan Ward already eclipsing that mark, and, and Kobe Lewis just about fifty yards, uh, fifty yards behind him. So, where, where's the advantage from an offensive standpoint? So, offensively, I will almost completely give the advantage to CMU. Because I mean, like you said, looking at at Jonathan Ward, I mean he's already rushed for one thousand fifty six yards, fifteen scores. Kobe Lewis, 953 yards and 11 scores. So those two running backs alone are, I guess, tied or beating Miami's running backs. You know, like, I think from an individual standpoint, the running backs, I think, are just so much better. Um, statistically speaking, and, and I'll be honest, I've never I've never seen either of Miami's running backs play. So there's always the, I guess, the eye test part. But looking at it statistically, I mean... Uh, CMU's running backs have so much, so much more, so so much higher, bigger numbers, you know, higher mm-hmm. numbers. And looking at it from a team perspective, I mean, CMU's run for twenty three hundred yards compared to Miami's sixteen hundred. You know, uh, twenty three twenty eight for CMU and sixteen fifty four for for Miami. And then it, from the passing standpoint, I mean, it's over a thousand yards different, you know. CMU's thrown for thirty-one hundred ten yards, as Miami's thrown for two thousand fifty-one yards. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, ten touchdowns through the air for Miami and eighteen for CMU. So, like I say, the the statistically speaking, I mean, CMU on paper looks so much better than Miami does. Now, there's always the eye test thing, like we talked about. I think that you know that could come into to a big play. Obviously, Miami got here for a reason. They're they they've got to be a good team to get here. Um, so, and uh, one last little stat nugget for you, Miami. So CMU 
total yards, 5,438 and 51 touchdowns. Miami, 3,705 total mm-hmm. yards and 33 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So CMU moves the ball so much better than Miami does. Well, let's, it looks and, let, like. and let's go back to, to Brett Gabbert, too. I mean, if sure. he's not going to be able to play, um, and we, we saw him, again, 6 of 8, um, passes were completed for 116 yards, um, one touchdown and, and no interceptions um, in the first half that he was able to play. And that was, again, in a 41-27 loss on the road to Ball State to uh, to cap off their season. And he was cruising, and Jackson Williams comes in and takes over a redshirt sophomore at QB, and it, it wasn't pretty for him. He ended up completing just four of his 11 passes for 52 yards, and, and he threw two interceptions, and they both went to the same guy. So when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, th- this Ball State, excuse me, this Miami team is a totally different squad with Gabbert and, and then without Gabbert. So how much of an effect do you think that'll play into it, just knowing that you know you got to throw, you might have to throw a guy in, in in Jackson Williamson who doesn't have a lot of a lot of touches? I mean, Literally all season long, he he's thrown 19 passes, and that's it. it. It's been all Gabbert or nothing. And if you have to go in and give a guy like Williamson reps, I, I guess kind of like where does that where does that potentially put you as an offense? You already mentioned the the gap, right? I mean that that only, that only makes it I that f- much worse. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. And I mean, arguably speak, arguably the quarterback is the most important position on the field. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, no, no, you can, yes, yes. It because is. he touches right. the ball every single play. Yeah, don't go back on that. No. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Um, so, and and having a quarterback with so much less experience in, in Williamson, I mean, like you said, he's, he's thrown 19 passes. Two of them were picks to the same guy against, against Ball State. So, I mean, and he's throwing 42, completing – Forty-two percent of his passes. Like, I, I don't know if that's just youth. I don't know if that's just. I, I don't know how, what how to how to think about that. But mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, that that gap that my Miami has behind CMU, I think that is only only going to grow with a younger quarterback and an inexperienced quarterback. Um, now, if you have Brett Gabbard in there, I think the gap is a little bit lessened. But there's still going to be some kind of like yardage gap, right? No, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, obviously, taking a look at these two teams historically speaking, we can get more into the numbers there if you want to jump in and, and you got things to add. But 14 wins for Miami, 13 wins for CMU, and one tie between the two programs. So the Red Hawks hold a slight edge in this uh, in this one, but. I guess kind of you want to take a take a peek back to when they've last played and when they've met up and I mean all all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously they they met in the MAC championship game that was in 2007. It was a, a game where Shane Montgomery was the coach for the Red Hawks and for Central Michigan it was Butch Jones in there. Central Michigan won that one. Um, he was, you know, he was kind of their guy leading the program, building the the, the program there in, in Mount Pleasant. And in 07, they win 35-10. to 10. I guess you can't really look back on historical records too much, but the most recent game they did play was in 2017. It was a 13, it was a 31 to 14 win for Miami. Austin, what do you know about that game? Well, um pretty I know Miami scored 14 points in the first first quarter. Uh, finished out with 28 points in the first half and then just kind of cruised from there and was able to kick a field goal in the third quarter 
Um, and really when that just – I don't want to say dominate, but, you know, they, they were able to, to jump out ahead real quick um, and just kind of cruise. Um, I mean, there, I mean, there's not much, really much else to to know about that game other than they they soundly beat CMU mm-hmm. um, in that game. So that was back back with Shane Morris. What were his numbers in that one? Well, I got to know. I got to know what what Shane's numbers were. I want to hear about the offense. What, what was Shane Morris doing then? What was Jonathan Ward doing? What you know? Who, who was leading the running backs? I, I mean, I, I'm interested, man. I mean, I I really do. Sure. All right. Let let let's grab this box score real quick. Okay, Shane Morris in that game, 15 of 33, 195, one touchdown, two interceptions. Tony Poljan, four of five for 24 yards. Jonathan Ward, one of one. For nine yards, they threw for two twenty-eight that game compared to um, to to Ragland. He he threw he was one of eleven of nineteen, two seventeen for two scores. That's how, pre- how many rushing yards they have, CMU. Let's see, one hundred and seventeen compared to one seventy-seven for Miami. Who's running the ball? Jay Ward. Well, how many? Shane how many did he have? He had 50, 56 okay, yards. Okay. Fifty-six yards on twenty-two carries. Okay, so that's not. Uh, eh. Yeah, no. Shane Morris. 33 yards on seven carries. Throwback. Oh, yeah. The old days. The Bono days. But, um, but no, I mean, let's, let, let's kind of jump off of that really quick because we talked sure. about Bono here just just briefly. Obviously, won an 11 season in 2018. Dude, you got to tell me, man, like, how impressed have you been with Jim McElwain? Um, not over here trying to uh, pat him on the back too much, but you kind of have to when you turn a program around the way that he has. Um, I got him as a lock for the Mac Coach of the Year, without a doubt in my mind. He got my vote this year. Um, your thoughts on on McElwain and what he's been able to do? Oh, I agree. I mean, he's he's been he's been so imperative for this program and in, in its turnaround. I mean, yes, coach. I think obviously coaching is a big part, but you know, getting the players to buy into what you want to do. They've talked about it. It almost sounds like a cliche at this point, but you know, getting the players on board and saying, "Okay, let's go do this. Let's let's pretty much follow the leader in Jim McElwain and." Let's go take care of business because that's what we're here to do. We're here to win games, and we're here to win the Mid-American Conference. You know, and I think, you know, going back to January or, you know, December, December 2nd when he got here, um, you know, he's able to get the team to say, okay, follow me and I'll, I'll lead you to a conference championship and a really, really – you know, good bowl game. Mm-hmm. So if you follow me and you 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 buy into what I want to do, what we want to do as a coaching staff, then you're gonna be able to do it. So, well, you got to look at his resume too. I mean, he was at Eastern Washington and and then Montana State as the the OC there, and then went to Louisville as the the wide receivers coach, and then kind of took on the same role at Michigan State, and then quarterbacks coach for the Oakland Raiders, and offensive coordinator at Fresno State, OC at Alabama. And then he was the head coach at Florida, at Colorado State, and then Florida, and, and then a wide receivers coach at Michigan. Like he's been places, he's done things, he's seen things. He has a winning head coaching record. Um, he has a winning bowl game record. He's a coach that he's a two-time SEC Eastern Division, you know, champ in, in fifteen and sixteen with Florida. You know, obviously now that the MAC West Division, you know, he's got that under his belt here in twenty nineteen. He's got a Mountain West Coach of the Year award to his name. He's got an SEC Coach of the Year. I mean, he's won. He's won two AFCA Regional Coach of the Year, you know, awards as well in, in 14 and 15. Like he's done, he's done what he's needed to do to prove himself to these guys. And that's what Michael Oliver kind of talked about the the senior linebacker on the team was said, listen, all I had to do was look at his resume. 
and I was I was all bought in. I knew he could win, so why why would we not follow a winner? And I think that's the approach that everyone's kind of taken with the program. Well, exactly, and I mean, and looking at it at two when he took over at Florida in 2015, I mean, the Gators were bad under Will Muschamp in 13 and 14 specifically, mm-hmm. and then McElwain comes in and leads them to the SEC title game, a place they hadn't been, I believe, since 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a really that's a really big jump, and he he led him there twice, obviously losing both times to Alabama, but. I mean, he Mac McElwain was able to get that team bought in, and I think it's a, I think it is a little bit different. Saying you know, an, a team in the SEC, one of the better programs historically, mm-hmm. I think in in the conference, and then jumping over to CMU, um, who arguably is one of the better teams in the in the Mid American Conference too. I think. Well, what's the point you're making? I think the point is that he. Kind of a point that you already made, but he can do it, and he's shown that he can do it. Yeah, and that's a really big, really big thing. And like you said, I, I would agree. He should be well, named I, Matt Coach I, of the Year. I, I, I look at it too, and of course, Matt Coach of the Year. He, like I said, he has my vote on that. But I think when you come to a place like Central Michigan, and the reason why the question is going to be, you know, is is anybody going to hire this guy away? That's going to be their question. And I would say, from from my perspective. I would say it's going to take one more year to prove to me that you're worthy of of moving on because because of one thing, the way the MAC is so close every single year, like it almost seems like any team can win, and whenever you know if you have a good coach in there that knows what he's doing, it's it's not now not that what he did wasn't difficult because don't get me wrong like I, I really do, I I, I admire what he's done because he really has turned the program around. But the point being is. With the way that the MAC is, and with teams all being so close and so close in competition, it's not as difficult as if you were to go into a Rutgers and try to turn it around like that. You're never going to go to Rutgers and make them a Big Ten champ in one year. Oh yeah, that's no. my point. Right. You're never going to do that in the SEC. You're never going to go to Vanderbilt and make them, you know, the the gods of the SEC. It's just not happening. So so from that perspective, I think if you're Jim McElwain, and if you're people that might be interested in hiring Jim McElwain. I would still give him another year to say, okay, yeah, you did it this year, but like, can you build on it? You know, can you know you're 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 eight and four regular season this year? Can, can you go? Can you be ten and two? Right. Can and you can you be eleven and one? And can you go get your guys to to come into to Mount Pleasant and go win you another conference title? Yeah. Like, I guess a division title leading to a championship game appearance. Yeah. Can you do it again? With a new new crop of guys that you're going to recruit yourself, that you're going to exactly. bring in. Exactly. So I I totally agree. I I, I don't think it's going to be a one and done for Jim McElwain. No, yeah, I, I don't I don't think so. I think a lot of people think it's going to be. I'd say there's a chance. Don't get me wrong, there is a chance. Yeah, anything but, can happen. But I, but I don't think he's going to be able to jump ship and get a job that he wants too. Because let's just say, for example, that that uh, that Shiano didn't take that Rutgers job and Rutgers was open. If you're Jim McElwain, do you really want to go to Rockets after year one at CMU, or would you give it a second year and try to try to get something better, get something that's going to give you an opportunity to go win immediately somewhere or give you a better opportunity, right? No. Like, oh, yeah. Like I would say like if I'm Jim McElwain and if I'm at CMU for three years and that old Miss job like it did opened up, I would try to go get the old Miss job because, you know, it's a program that's that's historically a good program, and you have a chance of probably turning that thing around just based off of your coaching style. Yeah, no doubt. Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Ole Miss will never come out and hire Jim McElwain right now. No, 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 no. But it, but if he was three years down the road and this would have happened, oh, maybe easily. And, easily. He, and he's and he's won. You know, if you win, you win three straight MAC title games, and you 
you do your thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh like, yeah. The, you're you're yeah. gonna be getting whatever job you want. Um, you know, obviously not whatever job you want, but you, you get the point. Well, yeah. I mean, there will be more options than just the the bare minimum at the power five level. Right. Because I mean, the the I, I mean, realistically speaking, the the openings that are available now, the teams have not been very good in the last no. five years. I mean, and, and would they even and would they even consider and and. I mean, I guess the one that maybe you might want to. I mean, USF. Would you go there? Like, is that really that much of a, of a jump to make? Like, yeah, it's bigger football, but like, how much bigger? How though? much bigger? Right. Seriously though, I mean, you're you're yeah. jumping from, the Mid American Conference to the American Athletic Conference, which calls themselves the Power Six Conference. Yeah. And what yeah. Max probably like the seventh on that list. Probably. Then? I I would argue it's the seventh, maybe the eighth, maybe behind the Sun Belt with App State. Yeah. But. I mean, it, it, you're. I mean, you're splitting hairs at that point. Yeah. So we'll, we'll call yeah, like, it, like for the benefit of the doubt. Let's call it the seventh. But conference. I mean, yeah. But really, though, like, is it, is it really even worth it to make that jump now? No. When, when what are you going to do? You're going to end up going there. You're going to get stuck there for four more years, just trying to trying to get back into the get power back five. into the power five. Like, it would almost be worth it to take two years here, maybe three years, build something where everybody knows that Central Michigan is Jim McElwain and Jim McElwain is Central Michigan. Like right now, there are still people in my. And on my Twitter mention, they say I can't. I, I I didn't know Jim McElwain was at Central Michigan. Like, there are right. still people that don't know. Like, granted, there's a lot of people that do know, but there are still people that don't know. And if you can get it to a point where Jim McElwain becomes synonymous with Central Michigan and vice versa, I mean, then you, then you have a, a a mini dynasty built, and you can make your move off of that. That that's just my two cents on it, though. Right? No, I agree. I mean, if and say you don't necessarily win three straight MAC title games and. You know that's whatever. If you if you can have winning seasons, you can have success. I totally agree with you. You know, having you know, yeah, Jim McElwain's the coach at Central Michigan. We this is common knowledge. We all know this. You wouldn't have to cite it in a in a research paper, right, or whatever. You, I I agree. I think then people will start to say, okay, let's bring this guy in to our program, our Power Five program, and we'll we'll mm-hmm. we'll be set. He can take it over. Just like he did at CMU, and we should be fine. We should be good to go. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I am in one hundred percent agreement with you. I think he needs, I guess, another maybe even two more years uh, here in Mount Pleasant to really show the show the country. Hey, I'm I'm still here. I'm ready to go. Yeah, without a doubt. Well. Listen, the first step of that process of, of kind of getting himself back on track, continuing to prove himself, that's going to come at noon on Saturday, December 7th at Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan for the 2019 Mid-American Conference Championship game. It's against Miami of Ohio. It's going to be a game where there's going to be two offenses going at it. We like Central Michigan in this one, Austin, or no? Oh, I think so. Me too. Uh, I mean, just – and again, I'm ba- purely going off of the stats and how the eye test from Central Michigan – Chippewas just moved the ball so well, and mm-hmm. really that defense too is is has been pretty stout, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks, um, in both running and passing. So I, I don't, I don't really, I really don't see a way Central Michigan loses this game. I'm being completely honest. Um, what's the spread at four and a half? That's what it started at. Yeah. Yeah. I I like I like the Chippewas by at least a touchdown. Yeah, me too. I like CMU by not only a touchdown, I'm going to take him by 21 in this one. I think they're going to blow the gates off of him. Um, but 
Time will tell. We'll see. Again, noon on Saturday at Ford Field. You can catch both of us there. You can follow our stuff at cm-life.com. Check us out on Twitter. We'll make sure we take care of you guys. And after that, we'll be we'll be seeing you somewhere at a bowl game. Who knows where it's going to end up being, but maybe Alabama? Maybe. 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 That'd be a lot of fun. Maybe. But anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys. We appreciate it. We'll catch you next week.